Welcome to the Being Known Podcast with my friend, Dr. Kurt Thompson. And my friend, Pepper Sweeney. We are here to discover and explore what it means to be truly known. Hey, Kurt. Dude, finally, we are back in the saddle. Season six. Back in the saddle again. Yes, season six of the Being Known Podcast. And uh, I couldn't be more excited than to uh, hear what you're going to be talking about um, since I have no earthly clue what that's going to be at this point. No, that's not true. With this season six, you have a, hev- going- you have a heavenly clue. You have a, I heavenly, have a heavenly clue. clue. You may not have an earthly uh, clue. In this season six, we are going to be talking about the beauty of wisdom. Being known as the way of human flourishing is what we're going to be talking about specifically today. And I am looking to gain some wisdom this season, <laughs> hopefully. Any little bit, every little bit helps. Hmm. Yeah. Well, me too, Pep. And that's why I'm, I think the, the outline that we're using is going to be pretty limited because I'm just looking to hear you talk. I'm just, that's what I'm mostly hoping to hear. It's, it's, I, I am normally dropping pearls of wisdom. All of it's a matter of fact, it's a mess in here from all the pearls of wisdom that are on the floor. (laughs) Right. Somebody's got to get in here and clean it up. Right. Anytime I'm around you, I'm, I have trouble walking around because there's, there are so many pearls on the floor. I get it. I so get many. it. I see, you know, it's my burden to bear. Yeah. Actually, it's your burden to bear. Uh, you have no idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have a slight idea. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not completely unself-aware. No, because you're so wise. You, yes. you know, yes. you know what it's like to have to put up with me. You yes. know what it's like. Exactly. It's part of your, it's part of your wisdom. So Kurt, um, yeah. I, I'd like to just start, you know, by asking you, um, you know, what do you mean by the beauty of wisdom? And, mm. you know, why do you want to delve into that this season? Yeah, my my sense is uh, over the course of, especially I just think about the last two plus years. Now, it, it will it will be coming up on three years, year 20, 2020, 2021, 2022, three years of what we might consider to be for our time, uh, living that's been harder than usual for many, mm. whether we're talking uh, COVID, whether we're talking race relationships, whether we're talking political rancor, whether we're talking violence on the world stage uh, with all that's happening in Europe, Ukraine, and Russia, things that continue to happen in Africa, the, the whole kind of theater of violence that we experience in so many ways. And you look around and you think we, we, we have our political answers and we have our economic answers and we have all these other responses. And it's actually quite rare that I hear us talking about or asking the question, what seems wise to do? What does it mean to be people of wisdom in any of these situations? We hear a lot about like, What's right? What's wrong? Uh, we hear a lot about like what we have to do to fix the problem, whatever the problem happens to be. And, and, and it's not to suggest that those questions, those ways of being in the world are unhelpful or useless. That, that, that's not true. But I think that you know, the, the more urgent we feel and what we sense our problems to be, and I, and I would say uh, even in my lifetime, that things feel as urgent as they ever have 
And that's not to suggest that we are the only generation that's ever felt things urgently. I'm, I'm sure on December 8th of 1941, right. people felt urgent. I'm sure that there are lots of different ways and times and places in which urgency has been felt. I'm, I'm sure that when Nebuchadnezzar's horde showed up at the gates of Jerusalem in 586, I'm sure that people were feeling urgent. They were, there was an urgency about what was about to happen. Mm. And when we feel urgency, we then tend to turn to solutions that are also equally urgent, quickly accessible, and will very swiftly resolve the problem. And what is so striking about uh, what it means for us to flourish as human beings, what it means for us to be the kind of people that we want to be, for us to be people who are deeply known in order for us to go on to create a world of beauty and goodness, the reality is that that whole process takes a long time. If you're gonna, if you're gonna paint, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're Mako Fujimura and you're gonna paint, mm. if you are, and we're gonna talk about this this season, if you are your mom, mm. who is now how old? Uh, Ninety-one. Ninety-one, and folks, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about this, and I, I mean, hopefully, maybe I don't know, you know, if on our YouTube channel we'll be able to like show, like, I think you're gonna yeah, see. For sure. You're going to see some stunning stuff, but these are not things that are done in 10 minutes, hmm. this artwork that she's doing. And for us to actually respond to uh, the life that we are currently confronting, I think it is fair to say that we are, we are, what we are really longing for is wisdom. We're longing for wisdom in our time. And, you know, when you, when you think about the wisdom literature of the scriptures, you often think of the book of Proverbs. There are other wisdom literature pieces that are not included, that are in, in the Apocrypha, that are in other, there are other uh, portions of scripture that are not included in many Bibles, but that are legitimately seen by many Christians and Jews as legitimate wisdom literature. You notice that when you, when you're reading this text, when you're reading the Proverbs, you read you you get a sense of like, oh my gosh, like there's so many things here that if I'm going to become this thing that I'm reading, uh, it's going to take a long time for me to do that. I'm not just going to read that one line. Um, I'm not going to read Proverbs chapters eight and nine, and just I, I'm just going to become perfectly become that. It, it's going to take work, effort. My pace is going to have to slow. I'm going to have to be attuned and attentive to that. And so I, I would say that if we are willing to allow the process of acquiring and becoming living, breathing wisdom, we become the response to the problems of our time, so to speak. But what's so striking to me is how wisdom is deeply connected to what it means for us to become deeply known. When the scriptures, when Proverbs, when we read that, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that's not just about being afraid of God. That is about being deeply known by God. It's this fear, this sense of being in the presence of someone who longs to be in our presence and by whom we are deeply known. And in that way of 
being able to be known in this way, I can be settled and be at peace. And if I'm at peace, I can reflect and I can know that even when it appears by all circumstances that the world is chaotic, I can be safe. I am like, I am at peace. I am actually unafraid in a world where fear is what is kind of peddled in by so many people. And I think the other thing that's fair to say is that like when we, when we talk about this notion of wisdom, you might think like, well, who wouldn't be interested in this? Who, like, if you say like, would you like to be uh, more wise or more foolish by the end of the day? Like, I don't, like, I don't know a lot of people who's like, gosh, I hope I'm just more stupid. I, I just, I, I want to be less knowledgeable, less able to make right decisions. No, I mean, we, we long for wisdom. And so, our, I mean, I, I'm really wanting our audience to recognize that wisdom is a thing to be acquired that enables us to respond to our lives, to ourselves, in our relationships, in ways that eventually emerge as artifacts of great beauty. And we'll, we'll get into what we will talk about this uh, when we, in, our, in our next episode, when we talk about the beginnings of wisdom and how wisdom was in the beginning with God creating the world, giving it you know, giving it order and purpose that, that, that beauty begins actually with wisdom, as it turns out. And then when we think about wisdom being this source of flourishing, it, we, we would really say that it, it first of all, it, it, it makes it possible for us to make the choices that we really most deeply long to make. And this is deeply linked to being known. Well, I would just say that, I would just say that as, as, as I'm looking at making a big decision in life, I am going to want to seek counsel. Mm -hmm. I'm going mm -hmm. to seek counsel from people that I know and know me and, and trust. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I would think that that's a very direct correlation from wisdom to being known. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and even so like, even that's an example of how, when you are making a, a decision about something, as Iris Murdoch once famously said, at the moment a decision is made, all of the elements of the decision have long ago been accomplished. Right. All, all the process has already been done. Right. And uh, if you're that, making a wise decision, I would think, I, I, you know, I think if you're just making a, some willy nilly decision, then the problem is that the, those things haven't been done. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think so that, and, and, but, but that whole process along the way, like, so when you're making that big decision, you're not just, you know, you're not just, you know, going to two or three people that you're taking counsel from and in 10 minutes have a conversation, then you make a decision. You're with them over time. And I think about how that whole decision-making process in and of itself is an act of creation. Mm. It's an act of new creation to make a decision to do anything. What college am I going to attend? Are we going to have a, are we, are we going to be okay to adopt this child? Are we, am I going to move? Am I going to have a new job? Am I going to leave a job? Am I, all the things. Am I going to stay in the room and have this conversation with my spouse? Or am I going to exit? All the things, like the wisdom is always moving us to the edge of new creation. It's always moving us to the edge of the creation of beauty, even in hard places. And so as much as I long for it, we, we would say like the acquisition of wisdom is not as easy as it sounds. And yet it is at the very center 
of creation, yes, even new creation. And so it's deeply tied to that awareness of and the and, and the creation of beauty because it's not static. Wisdom isn't just this thing that I have, like, oh, I have my Yeti cup. I have my cup here. I, it's static. It's just a thing. And you do. Yes. Right. No, it is wisdom as, as we will learn it, like it is a, it is a moving, living, breathing thing. And it has an active desire to create beauty and goodness in the world. Uh, not only that it's ancient in its origins. This is not a product of the enlightenment. And interestingly enough, uh, the people of the enlightenment didn't talk about wisdom. Hmm. They talked about knowledge. Mm hmm. And, and, and now, like, we are people of the information age, right? We're not of the age. My, my good friend, Jeff Dudiak, who's a philosopher in Canada, likes to talk about how the ancients talked about the acquisition of wisdom. How we modernists, beginning with the Enlightenment, so this is four to 500 years ago, talk about the acquisition of knowledge. And now we have become people who are interested in acquiring information. And those three words mean three very different things. And as we will learn about here in the coming episodes, that for us to be people of wisdom, I, I don't just go out today and find information today on the internet. I also have to be exploring things from the past, not just of the world, but of my own story, which gets right back to this process of being known. I become wise by being known in order for me to then allow wisdom to move me into this space of creating beauty and goodness in the world. I would think that you would want to apply your wisdom to the knowledge and the information that you have coming in. That's right. I mean, I think that, that we've gotten away from that and just gotten into a place where we're just taking in more and more information and we're not applying the wisdom to it. That's right. That's yeah. right. That whole sense that you were saying earlier of like, if you have a decision to make, Mm -hmm. Of course, you're going to, you want to know the facts, you want to acquire information, we, we need right. to know, we need to know that. But at the end of the day, what I then do with that is much more deeply tied to the wisdom of relational connection. It's the wisdom of my sense of secure attachment, where in which I'm going to make this choice. And in so doing, I'm doing so with wisdom, because it's not just me, it's me and you and Amy like together, like I have you with me, we, in that sense, will make that decision together. And so we see that wisdom is an outgrowth of relationships. We're going to come back and see how this is all rooted in Trinitarian theological uh, assumptions, this, this notion that a triune God that is in relationship with one another, and that has made us even neurobiologically to be people whose brains only function well when I'm being co-regulated by somebody else, that my right hemisphere needs connection with yours and my left with yours in the same way in order for me to have access to wisdom. And so this, this whole notion of being known is why it's, it's, it's such a crucial element. Like it's, it's so that wisdom is necessarily an extension of this relate of the relational mechanics that are involved in uh, what it means for us to be known. And so here we also would say that uh, the acquisition of wisdom um, is something that we can move into as we pay more attention to and apply the principles of interpersonal neurobiology, which is also what we're going to be paying attention to here. So we have this sense that it is relationally 
grounded and we can learn more about what it means to become people of wisdom by paying attention to the way the mind and the brain and relationships work together, those principles of interpersonal neurobiology. And we would also say that all of this is going to be grounded over the course of these next several episodes. All this is going to be grounded in some assumptions about our ultimate source of wisdom, our ultimate source of wisdom. And for those of us who are Jesus followers, we would say that uh, our, our ultimate source is the God of the Bible. And the Bible is a living, breathing document, we would say, that we, we, we believers hold that to be true. And here I'm just borrowing some language from my friends at The Bible Project. For those of you who are listening to this podcast, um, if you don't know of it, The Bible Project is a crowdfunded organization that seeks to promote the reading of the Bible, and they're based in Portland, and Tim Mackey and John Collins have just done a, a beautiful job at bringing us the Bible in fresh new ways, and so I would invite you to check out their work. But one of the things that they, that they talk about is that the Bible is, and I'm going to use some words here that are going to be, that are going to be flowing throughout the next several episodes, and, and, and we're going to be doing a lot of integration work of connecting all that we're about to say here with neuroscience, with beauty, with this, uh, you, know, you know, like sitting in that, in that crucible of what it means for us to be deeply known. We're going to start with this notion that the Bible is ancient Jewish meditative wisdom literature. That's the folks, the Bible Project, how they like to describe it. It is ancient Jewish meditative wisdom literature. And each one of those words is important. It's ancient and that it's contextual to time. Like this is, this is a piece of literature that is unlike any piece of literature in the world, unlike any piece of literature. First of all, that it's ancient. And what has happened in the past is supremely significant. And this is a text that was created somewhere between two and 3,000 years ago, over the course of about 1,000 years, this total package of the, what we now call the Old and New Testament, we Christians call it that. The Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh, and the New Testament letters, over 1,000 years they've been collected. It's a long time, right? Wisdom is acquired in those texts over like, it didn't, it, didn't, it didn't happen in a year, it didn't happen in 200 years. It happened over a long period of time. So mind that, that it's ancient. And it points to the fact that our own stories, are important, the ancient elements of our own stories are important to pay attention to, but also to recognize that just because the Bible was created in periods that were ancient does not mean that only the ancient world has the last word. It still speaks to us right here and now, as do our own lives, and as wisdom also longs to speak to us. This is a text that's Jewish. The vast majority of the writers of the Hebrew and Christian texts were Jews. Luke being an exception of the New Testament, but they're Jews. And what does this mean? It's contextual to circumstances and the history of a particular community. And this is something else that's crucial for us. When we think about wisdom, it's important for us to recognize that the community that I'm part of is going to be a powerful context that is speaking into what I'm actually able to do in acquiring that wisdom. I, Kurt, I'm not going to just go get wise by myself. It's going to be a particular community that's going to speak into that. 
that this and here this this next word we're going to talk a lot about over the course of these episodes that it is meditative and here we like to say that it bears repeating uh you know when i read the bible i like to say, oh, i'm going to read the bible through in a year or you know there are uh structures that are offered for us that help us do that and all that's right. really fine to do but one of the things that we find is that the bible was intended to be read in ways that i well, what i describe as circular in that you read a text and then you discover that, oh my gosh, I read a text that's a little later. And that text that tells the story of Lot and his wife and Sodom and Gomorrah actually is a reflection of the flood earlier in Genesis. Like, well, who knew? Because the Bible is trying to speak to other parts of itself. And we are going to go over this and over this and over this, and we're going to revisit Genesis 4 and the murder of one brother of another. We're like, over and over. We're not just going to read it one time. It is going to be meditative. We're going to soak in this. And, and my own personal life, I'd like to think that I could work on my stuff that happened to me when I was 17 or 25. And like, thank you. Now I'm done with that. Right. I should think that, okay, I've learned my lesson. From that particular time in my life, I got enough wisdom from that. I don't. I don't need to revisit that. Like, and and what do you know? Like, the real world is one in which no. As it turns out, I'm going to revisit what it was like for me to be 17. On occasion, until I'm dead. Hmm. We live in a world of modernity that likes to have us be convinced that I should just be on a continual arc of progression. I should, you know, once I once I complete a certain phase, I should never have to go back and repeat that. But the reality is that our brokenness is so deeply and mysteriously thorough that I think I have so, I just have little idea, little to no idea just how much work I have to do such that if I actually follow the Bible the way it was intended for it to be read, the way its writers, its editors, its collectors, its collators have intended for us to read it. They intend for us to go back over and over and over passages. It, it, it is written in certain places where it, it intentionally, the writer does not want us to know everything that's going on because it forces us to be curious. It forces us to come back and revisit this again and again and again. And I feel like, oh my gosh, there are parts of my life that are the same way. That one period of time, you know, when I'm between, you know, the time that I was, whatever it was, where I like, man, that was just a hard time. And I still don't understand everything that was happening there between me and my friend. Like, no, we're going to go back and visit that. And I'd like not to have to do that. Right. But wisdom is going to be something that I acquire if I'm willing to actually live my life the way the scriptures invite me to live it by allowing my life to echo and to mirror the way the scriptures are actually written and intended to be read. So it's meditative. And then it is wisdom literature. It's how to live a flourishing life in the real world with all of its brokenness by being meditative in a particular communal context, recognizing that the things that are the oldest about me are the are, are going to be the things that are going to have the most impact in many respects. And then it's literature. It's not a movie. It's not a geologic find. It's not a machine. It's literature. It's a particular form of 
artistry. It's not simply a uh, textbook on how to repair your car. It's not a textbook on physics. It's not just a cookbook. It is designed as a piece of artwork. And it is the beauty of it that is calling forth beauty within us. And it is this story that it's the thing, you know, you, 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 we have particular pieces, you know, of uh, there are particular art pieces. One, one piece that comes to mind is Return of the Prodigal Son by Rembrandt. And if, if for those of our listeners who are familiar with this piece, when you, there are, there are different, different, different parts of this painting, you know, different people will say, oh my gosh, my eyes were immediately drawn to fill in the blank, like the light on the father's face or drawn to the father's hands. Right, it's drawn to something. Everything about the painting, and Rembrandt was famous for this, for using light to draw the eye to a particular part of the painting. While all the other parts are important, they're all being drawn to a particular place on the canvas. And the folks at the Bible Project would say that the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. And once again, we discover that this piece of artwork is this combination of God and human words that revolve around a person. And in the same way, like the Bible and mirroring it, our various domains of integration that we've talked about here on this podcast, they come together as a unified whole and also lead to Jesus in the way that St. Paul would have described those of us who are Jesus followers that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And in this sense, wisdom is this felt sense of growth in relationship between me and the King that is expressed most powerfully and consistently in my relationships of, uh, with people in his body. My being known by you, Pep, is what enables me to acquire wisdom. Mm. It is what enables me to exhale in the moments when things feel chaotic around me and be curious about what is the next choice I want to make that will be wise because I see you standing in the kitchen four feet away from me, just looking with loving kindness in your face. And I can imagine, oh, I'm going to do the next thing to serve, the next thing to love, when there are other kind of parts in me that want to do something very differently. Wisdom is born out of the presence of being known, and in so doing, we create a moment of beauty and goodness, even when we think that's the last thing that's going to be possible for us. And so we see then that uh, the acquisition of wisdom is a journey of what, what I would what I call geometric and not necessarily linear growth. That I don't necessarily, not like the stock market, traveling in a particular line with always progressing. As much as I become increasingly more able to be a person of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, no matter where I am on my journey. But if I imagine that I'm excavating. A, a piece of land I'm excavating, it's going deeper and broader 
that this is what my growth is to be about. And this journey, it's, it's a journey that requires the presence of beauty as an ingredient in enabling it to take place. We've talked often here about what it means for us to be known on the way to creating beauty in the world. And we've often talked about how beauty is not a luxury. We often live as if beauty is a luxury, or we'll get to that when we get everything else done, when we get all of our other primary needs met. And to some degree, we might say, sure, you, you need to know that you're fed, you need to know that you're clothed and housed, and that's true. But it, at the same time, we often miss the beauty that is in the world consciously, despite the fact that our brain is aware of it. So for instance, if birds were to disappear, if the color of the grass or the changing of the leaves of the tree were to suddenly just no longer take place, we would start to notice things. And we would become aware that like, oh my gosh, I, I actually need that beauty in order for me to be okay in my day, despite the fact that that's not often how I think about it. So wisdom is deeply tied to the presence of beauty. Beauty is a source of wisdom, but beauty is also what wisdom seeks to create in the same time. So wisdom then is what creates beauty in the first place by first recognizing it where it is, and as it is possible in the chaos of our lives to recognize that beauty. If you've been around the Being Known podcast for more than just this season, then you already know about our friends Jay and Catherine Wolf and their ministry, Hope Heals Camp. Hope Heals Camp is a week-long retreat a year-round community offering rest, resources, and relationships to families experiencing disability. And Kurt has firsthand knowledge of Hope Hill's camp as he's been there and experienced it for himself. You know, Pep, I did have the chance last summer to spend a week there. I was invited to be a pastor for the campers, and I can't tell you how deeply moved I was at watching how much love and joy and commitment to one another was coming to be demonstrated in the places where some of uh, life's hardest moments show up and watch God show up in the process. There is so much beauty and goodness coming out of Hope Hills Camp, and this season we are really excited to endeavor to sponsor five families for Hope Hills Camp in this summer. And by we, I of course mean you. If you're listening in this moment, wherever you are, you are our we. So hmm. five families is equal to $7,500. And, you know, that would be a dollar each if we had 7,500 we's, which, <laughs> <laughs> which hopefully we do have. And, you know, if you give $50, you'll gain free access to the best of Catherine and Jay's online content condensed into accessible video modules and simple reflection guides. You can join Catherine Jay and their most trusted partners for refreshing biblical insights on living well within constraints, all from your own home and at your own pace. Or if you're feeling even more generous and you give $1,500, now that's enough to send a whole family to camp for the week, you will receive all that Kurt just mentioned, as well as a limited edition signed and numbered fine art print by the artist Kristen Blakeney. 
Kristen's paintings sell out across the South's best art galleries, and this print is only available here. We'll keep you updated on the progress of this drive via the podcast as we are able to, and certainly on our social media outlets. So go to hopeheals.com forward slash BKP. That's H-O-P-E-H-E-A-L-S dot com forward slash BKP to make your donation. You know, I've talked, we've talked about how, you know, my, my work life is very often me in a room by myself yeah, and a computer and, okay, you know, with, with the meetings on, on Zoom happening all day long and that's my connection and that's, but then there's also a part of my work that is very creative mm-hmm. and, and I will very often, probably not often enough in the course of my week, I wouldn't say my day, not daily, but of my week, where in order to do my work, in order to bring wisdom into the create creative process that I'm trying mm-hmm. to achieve, I'll shut it down. And, you know, we, you and I've talked a lot about, I see, I, I see a lot of God's presence and I gain a lot of that sense of beauty in nature. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I'll just take off and get outside, mm-hmm. you know, if it's, if, depending on the the time of year, it doesn't matter. I can always find some aspect of beauty right outside my door. For me, that's Mm -hmm. where, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I see it. And, Mm -hmm. and the, the, I guess the perspective that I'm, that I gained from, from that, the, there's so many things. I mean, there's a calm, calm nature to it there, you know, there's a focus to it, but it's also, I'm tapping into something that I don't have within myself Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. order to tap into creativity right right that's and i mean that's just, wise decisions right exactly that, that that's just that's that's just such a beautiful way of, of naming that and i think as we progress over the course of this season uh, a couple things that i would love for our listeners love for you all to consider doing would be this it's just a very brief exercise that we'd love for you to and and this is a you know we we like to provide exercises that people can enter into at the end of every episode and the first exercise is is very simple uh but because as, as we said at the top of our time we are not people who are prone to be curious about the word wisdom itself the first exercise very simple i would invite you to consider begin to make it a practice before you begin your day fully, so I, I don't mean like as soon as your alarm goes off, but I mean once you know you're ready to start your day. Before you do that, you've you've showered, you're fully conscious, you've had your coffee. I want to invite you to a consciously consider to yourself how can I become a person of greater wisdom today. I want to be curious about where wisdom is waiting to find me. How can I become more wise? Now, here's the thing. Uh, As we will soon see, the book of Proverbs, which we're going to mine quite a bit over the course of this time, uh, you you will soon see that the book of Proverbs stresses the need for people to seek wisdom. Wisdom doesn't just like fall out of the sky. It is a thing that we must seek we must ask for, we must pursue. But I will tell you, uh, my experience is that the moment you start asking God to grant you wisdom, where will wisdom show up for me today? 
I can guarantee you that what you're going to find is you're going to find yourself in situations in which wisdom is the thing you need. And you're gonna be like, dang, like, I just thought it would just come to me. And like, when it comes to me, like, I would then be completely able to name everything I need to do all the right things, like kind of magically, it would just show up. Like, no, wisdom is a thing that we acquire, that we become. And like anything else, if I want to become, if I want to get in shape, I, I, you know, I be, I get in shape by discovering that I'm not in shape. And I put myself in situations in which I've become exhausted, which I can't, I can't get the bar off my chest anymore. I, I can't, I can't run another 10 yards, can't do another squat. This is what it will mean to acquire wisdom. So just to alert you in advance that the acquisition of wisdom is the invitation to work, but work that is beautiful. And so here's the other thing. So that's part one. Can we be intentionally asking for and seeking wisdom today? And the second thing is asking God to reveal to you the connection in any part of your day between wisdom and beauty. Where do you see the wisdom in the beauty that you encounter? Where do you see the beauty in the wisdom that you encounter? We like to say uh, that the brain, you know, and, and therefore our mind and therefore our mind body complex, we become what we pay attention to. And if I am willing to pay attention to pursuing wisdom, necessarily beauty will be all around it. Because in those moments where I long to be wise, you will also find yourself in the situation where you are on the precipice of creating beauty out of situations that may feel chaotic. And it's on the backside of that that you discover I'm wiser now than I was 10 minutes ago or a week ago. So those, those two things, where praying actively every morning asking God for wisdom, pursuing, how can I become wiser today? I long ask for wisdom. And then the second thing is to be looking for the connection between wisdom and beauty and the way that they speak to each other in the course of your day. And what you can do at the end of your day is to keep a wisdom journal, right? Just jot down, bullet, where today has wisdom found me? Where today have I become wiser? even perhaps through, maybe perhaps through something that you've discovered that you didn't know, you didn't know, but also perhaps through something that was, has been difficult for you. We also recognize that over the course of our time, as we've said, that all of this is deeply attached to the process of relationship and what it means for us to be known. And that process is linked mechanically to the principles of interpersonal neurobiology. And so over the course of the remaining, the remaining episodes, each episode is going to be connected to a particular domain of integration. And so we'll be looking for that. We're going to begin with the domain of consciousness in our next episode and follow through from there, the, 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 the vertical, the, the body, the horizontal, the right, left hemisphere, and so forth and so on down the line. Um, but I think I, I'm just, I'm really excited because I know that I still desperately long for wisdom because there are just so many moments when I know it feels like that's just not what I have. And um, I look around at the world and, and, and I just so long that where, where, whatever world I occupy, whatever the spaces that I in particular occupy, I, I want to be an outpost of wisdom. And it's just, I, I just want to say, Pep, first of all, I'm just really grateful to be doing this with you because mm. 
like I, I do, I do feel like I, uh, ha I live a life of greater wisdom because you and Amy have been in it. Hmm. And, and not just because of things that I've learned from you both that have been, you know, like just so, so many things, but it's a matter of the sense of being known that allows me to live at a pace in which I am at ease, comfort, comfortable, confident, that then gives me, gives me the opportunity to be curious in such a way that wisdom can come and find me, uh, even at times that are most desperate. Yeah. And, you know, you started this episode by talking about that we are sort of feeling like we're living in urgent time and the response that's needed is wisdom. And this pursuit of wisdom is, is a worthy pursuit and begins with the idea of being known. Hmm. And if we, if we're doing that work, it feels like we're at least on the road to wisdom. Thank you for today, right. Kurt. You're, you're, and I, I love your enthusiasm and excitement about this topic as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And I look forward to learning and hopefully becoming more wise mm -hmm. in time. There's, mm -hmm. there's hope for all of us if that happens for me. <laughs> <laughs> And if oh, dude. you are watching us on YouTube, uh, then you know that Amy is going to be joining us here in just a couple of seconds. So stick around for that. Kurt, thank you so much for today. Thanks, Bob. Um, I'm looking forward to this season. I love you. Right on. Love you too. This podcast is produced by Kurt Thompson, Pepper Sweeney, and myself, Amy Chella. Audio production and editing is by Keaton Simons. Video production and editing is by Mark Gould. Speaking of videos, each week we post the video version of every episode to our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube by going to youtube.com or your app and searching Being Known Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on social media at Being Known Pod. If you like this podcast, tell a friend. Tell all of your friends. And please like, rate, and review. Be well, be known.